Spectrum from a sitting on our sofa. The whole idea around about circularity is making things last and valuing the products and materials that we have. On average, a household saved £1,440. This is sensible shopping. This is sensible living. Hi, welcome to Towards Zero. I'm Julia Horson and I'm hosting this podcast for Zero Waste Scotland. As our name suggests, we're here to help Scotland become a place where nothing is wasted. That matters because the single greatest cause here of the climate crisis is the emissions created by everything we produce, consume and too often bin after just one use. We can all help to change that though by doing things differently to make things last longer. That's what the circular economy does by keeping resources in the loop as long as possible through reusing, remaking, repairing and finally recycling everything. That won't just save the planet either. It also helps create much needed sustainable jobs as we build back better to overcome COVID too. Each episode features a mix of our experts and invited guests sharing interesting information and ideas on how we can all waste less. This episode looks at the future of our homes. Each year, millions of sofas are sent to landfill or illegally dumped in streets and fields across the UK. Many of us are so used to flight-tip furniture, we barely notice it. But Saskia Gerdes was inspired to create an innovative solution. The Glasgow School of Art product design graduate joins us now to talk about the 21st century sofa she's created to help end the climate crisis. Hi, Saskia. Welcome to Towards Zero. Hello. Hi. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, what got you thinking first about how you could stop people dumping, dumping all this furniture? Um, so I started off working for a research institute um, during my internships during uni and I was looking into the circular economy and I was really intrigued by it because I was like oh this is definitely the future of how things are going to be and I tried to implement that into my product design engineering course and really wanted to strategically strategically redesign a product um, and then I saw the sofas fly tipped all over the street in Glasgow and decided um, that this would be a great product to try to make more circular because everybody understands what is a sofa and everybody knows sofas and um, yeah, there's like so many problems with it. Um, and uh, you know, clearly there's, there's a problem there. Um, so what was your solution in a nutshell? Um, so I started off um, really talking to the different stakeholders. So I went to recycling centers and sofa designers and sofa manufacturers and obviously to the users and asked them, why do you throw out sofas? What breaks first? Why can you not reuse them? Why do you not bring them to a second hand shop, etc.? Um, and the main outcomes from that were that sofas in the moment, the people want to change the color, to change the style. They just want to be able to update their sofa um, on the one side, side and on the other side, they could couldn't repair anything if something broke and they couldn't transport sofas easily. So when someone was moving with their sofa, they couldn't, uh, it was so tricky to get it out of the flat. They had to like, I heard stories of people chopping up the sofas <laughs> to like get them through the windows. Um, and then obviously couldn't bring them to the new place um, where it was like so much easier just to order a new sofa. So um, that was kind of like the main problems. And then we started designing according to these problems and desi um, designed a sofa that is modular so that you can like easily transport it. It fits in every car into the boot. It's modular so that you can replace the cushions and the colors and the legs and the style of it. Um, and you, the sofa can grow with you. So you can start off having a one-seater, then make it a two-seater, three-seater, four-seater, and then go back to a armchair again if you want to. Uh -huh. 
That sounds great. Um, it sounds very simple and effective. Um, what what happened next, and, and and what have you been calling your product as you develop it? Well, the the product is called Sofa for Life because that was the whole kind of idea behind it. That if we want to implement a circular economy, we need products that we have for life. I got really good feedback from people and different kind of organizations, and um, I won a few awards. What was it like trying to turn that great idea into like a a reality in terms of um, actually creating the sofa? What what kind of issues have you had and what kind of help have you had from people on that too? So I think the most important, uh, the most tricky thing was like knowing what's your priorities and sustainability because like you really quickly kind of realize that sustainability is only exists in comparison. So there is no 100% sustainable sofa um, mm. because that would be no sofa. So I only can compare a current sofa to um, the sofa for life. And then for example, a sofa for life in the future with our sofa just now um, and like one of the biggest problems were like if you wanted to choose a material for the covers you wanted something that is renewable recyclable like non-toxic that can be um, washed and is durable like that is barely impossible like there's no materials out there that could that can do it all so we needed to know what's our priorities for like the different parts of the sofa and so we, we had to do compromises um, but I think it was just always important for us to remind us that sustainability is a progress. And um, yeah, the Scottish entrepreneurial system has been super supportive and Zero Scotland, obviously, as well. And just that kind of feedback and the, the support, I was like, well, you know what, maybe why not try to get this product on the market? In the last two years, we've worked in a small team um, to really trying to develop the product to get it, that you can manufacture it and also that is comfortable and that it looks good instead of just being very sustainable. Absolutely. Um, and, and when you, you said earlier about winning um, various awards, which is great as well, and, and getting feedback from people, um, what, what kind of feedback have you had? And maybe kind of importantly, from, from who? I gather that your sofa has been sat on by some <laughs> um, pretty kind of famous people um, during your, your development. Yeah, like actually the um, interest was great in the last year so we had uh, bbc being interested we were at the london design festival and um then in february david attenborough was sitting on our sofa which was very exciting and then last year we had the sofa at the al MacArthur foundation and all the circular economy innovators were sitting on our sofa and that was that was quite that was really exciting that does sound exciting. Uh, not many people can say that someone like Sir David has sat on their sofa, I don't think. You, you talked earlier about the different um, lessons that you've learned along the way, which is really interesting too, in trying to make a, you know, a really sustainable sofa. Um, what stage are you at now? So we are in the moment at a stage that we actually have the sofa kind of ready. We've got our manufacturers sorted as well, but um, we kind of wanted to enter the market earlier this year, but then obviously COVID hit and kind of showed us how vulnerable startups are, which is exactly the opposite that you want for a circular economy product. Um, because we want to promise people if they buy the sofa that like in five years, 10 years, 20, 30 years, they still can replace their cushions, their covers, um, their arms and legs, and that we are still there to kind of take the responsibility for the product, which we just can't really do as a startup. So in the moment, we are looking for collaboration with a more established furniture company so that we can provide both the innovation and the stability that a circular economy product needs. So, um, so it sounds very much like a case of watch this space then. Um, good luck with finding um, a partner to work with on that. Um, and thanks for joining us.
Saskia is one of around 200 people who Zero Waste Scotland have given funding and expert advice to um, to turn innovative, sustainable business ideas into reality. We work across all sectors, helping everyone make the most of our limited resources. One of our biggest priorities is working with the construction industry to help Scotland literally build back better. We're now joined by Stephen Boyle, Zero Waste Scotland's Head of Construction. Welcome, Stephen. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along. Um, so we're talking about the future of our homes um, today and why do we need to change the way that we build our homes? They contribute to about 40% of our carbon footprint per year. The construction sector's about 10% of our, our annual economy. It uses 50% of all of the materials that we use in Scotland per year. It also generates about 50% of all of our waste. So yeah, really significant amounts. Um, so we need to do things differently. What what kind of things could could we be doing and maybe are we doing already? Well, we have in Scotland been focusing a great deal on energy efficiency and decarbonising our electrical grids. And we have done uh, some fantastic things in those areas, really pushing down the calorific value, which is the amount of carbon in our energy sources, um, much better than even the rest of the UK. And that's fantastic. That means that our operational carbon, our operational energy in our buildings is much lower. But we need to do more. On the waste side, we've also done some fantastic things. We set a target of 70% reduction in our recovery of materials and recycling materials uh, in Scotland. And within the construction sector, we are, we're hitting about 95% recovery of materials. Now, unfortunately, it's a lot of those materials are what we call downcycled, potentially not holding their original value. We would like to use metal for metal and glass for glass, but um, even so, 95% recovery of materials is fantastic. So what should we do different? Um, first of all, 80% of all of the buildings that we have in place just now are going to be with us in 2045 when we are to be net zero yeah. carbon. So we need to look at those buildings and do as much as we can to reduce their impact over the next um, the next uh, few decades, and 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 sometimes it's not materials. First thing you want to do is look at to make it as draft proof as possible. Then we can look at creating a blanket, an envelope around them, improving our insulation, and then we can then look at things around about low energy products and goods, heating systems, and other materials. Um, so yeah, we need to look at our buildings differently. And as we build them as well, we want to ensure that the building materials that we use are as low embodied carbon. That's the carbon that goes into making the products and materials before they actually go into our buildings. We want to make them as low as possible. So let's use natural materials. Now, Scotland already uses a great deal of wood within our homes, but we need to do more of that. And we need to think bigger. We need to think about our more of a commercial, our flats, our towers, our commercial buildings, industrial buildings. How can we introduce more natural materials such as wood into those as well? And so we need to embrace things such as CLT, which is compressed laminate timber. Basically, what that means is if we take our wood and we, and we basically uh, glue it together using natural glues and rather than man-made glues, again, making sure that the carbon impact of them is low, and they give the structural strength for bigger buildings. Um, so embracing new technologies such as that. And are we, so, so this um, CLT, um, is that being used in Scotland already? Yeah, no, there's been some examples of CLT. There's a, a tower block in Glasgow, which is made uh, with the structure of the building is CLT. And um, leading lights such as the Construction Scotland Innovation Factory uh, is promoting the use and the production of that. And 
we hope that uh, the forestry is going to take that forward and, and, and hopefully we'll see first CLT plant in Scotland being built over the next two or three years. Wow. Um, in terms of what um, Zero Waste Scotland is doing there, do we have a role or a potential role? Well, yes, absolutely. So um, we, of course, are the circular economy champions for the Scottish Government um, and therefore promoting these types of innovation particularly where they are circular or where they are sustainable. So our Circular Economy Investment Fund is just one of the examples of where we can help businesses who mm -hmm. have these types of innovations to take these forward. And yes, that could potentially be something that we use for CLT production. But it, it, just as an example, we have used our, our funding to help and support other companies who also have innovative products such as Indie Nature where we've supported them by giving them some, uh, in the region of £800,000 to help them develop a factory to produce in large scale their uh, naturally produced material insulation. All right. So um, and that sounds quite significant because is, is insulation, you were talking earlier about the need to, I think, retain heat and, and use less energy as well and certainly waste less energy. So so that kind of insulation approach um, could make a big difference to the emissions we were talking about. Absolutely. Um, insulation will help us reduce dramatically the operational carbon, operational energy and heat use within a building. There are some fantastic examples around passive houses, which basically are buildings who are super insulated and they retain the heat within the buildings for as long as possible. So the, these these super jackets that they put around them are can really make an impact on that operational carbon side of it thing about insulation is, is that um, we must also take into consideration what that insulation is and what that carbon impact of that insulation is. So you want to create, use natural insulation materials or insulation materials or reuse materials which have a much lower carbon. So products that are natural using things such as straw or, or, or wool, hemp, hessian, those materials have a much lower embodied carbon. But also, but also, um, if we use a high, high man-made insulation, we also need to think about the health of the individuals. They have something called VOCs, volatile organic carbons, which are slightly harmful or can be harmful. So the more we reduce VOCs, better the internal air quality is within a building. Right. So, so a more natural type of insulation, like something by Indie Nature, is better for people's health as well as well as for the health of the planet. Then. I think, well, certainly in, in winter or maybe any time of year, sometimes in Scotland, um, a lot of people would be keen on better insulation, um, and especially with more of us maybe working from home at the moment. Um, we're thinking about like the bigger picture as well and, and the building sites that we're so used to seeing around the country as a, as a sign of progress um, often. Are they changing um, in, you know, in ways that will help cut emissions and perhaps provide more affordable homes as well? The way that is really going to transform the construction of our homes is something called modern methods of construction, greater moving movement towards digital technologies, uh, but off-site construction, uh, which creates a, a factory of production. So you have this production line where you start off with a frame and move on the way forward to you until you even get volumetric units, which can be put on the back of a lorry, taken to site and, and, and erected within two to three days. So kind of bit by bit, room by room or? Bit by bit, room by room, yeah. Um, very, very common within um, commercial buildings, hotels, you see these little oh, pods. Okay. 
bathrooms which are completely plumbed, completely um, wired, yeah. which are just brought in in a crane, popped into a corner yeah. of a bedroom, and therefore and and ready to use. It's a bit like a mechano set in that yeah. respect. Okay. But because they're built in a factory, they control the materials. They they maximise the use of materials. There's less wastage, but they also they reduce their costs for materials and resource efficiency and waste, but they also help production and productivity. They drive productivity and their the products are better. Yeah, well, yeah. A lot of positives, a lot of benefits. Um thinking back to um Saskia earlier on in the podcast and her sofa for life, um, designed very much so that it can be adapted to suit people's changing needs. Do you think that that approach from what you're saying is, you know, is perhaps already happening and is the future that we need for our, our entire homes as well? The whole idea around about circularity is making things last and valuing the products and materials that we have. And that stands mm. the same. Saskia is doing that with her sofa. And if we plan into the design process uh, adaptability, then you can change that building, maintain that building without creating too much waste, too much disruption. And, and if you do it, plan it well, less time, less material mm. use, which is cost. And it makes it flexible. And it means that people who live in that building will want to live there longer because it can be adjusted to their needs as their needs change throughout their yeah. life. So yes, that's exactly our approach, I would say, would work well. Yeah, no, that's that's all really interesting. It really makes you think about how you can design our homes differently from scratch and, you know, to last, you know, like you say, as long as possible um, for all kinds of different uses and people. Um, makes me think, you know, maybe the phrase mobile home could take on a whole new meaning in future. Um, well, thank you very much, Stephen, for joining us um, on the episode today and look forward to inviting you back in future for updates on how Scotland's building back better. No, thank you. furniture store, IKEA has a huge influence over people's homes worldwide. What's less well known is the work IKEA is doing to influence not just what people buy, but how they choose and use products and services to help customers live more sustainably. Six years ago, a group of UK staff launched a Swedish-inspired experiment called Live Legon. Sharon McCracken, sustainability leader at IKEA, joins us now to translate that idea. Hi Sharon, welcome to Towards Zero. Hi, thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. Um, so, so what is Live Legon? Well, first off, we have an ambition to become people and planet positive by 2030. And, um, and through our size and our reach, we have this huge opportunity to, um, to inspire and enable more than 1 billion people, which sounds huge, to live better lives um, within the limits of the planet. Um, we came up with this idea. We had heard this word, Lagon, a term in uh, Swedish. And it's this kind of Swedish philosophy, if you like, our lifestyle about everyday life. And it means just the right, enough, right okay. amount. So just the right amount. It's about living rewarding but responsible life. So not denying yourself or sacrificing what you love while not taking from the planet more than you uh -huh. need. And we just heard this and we thought, isn't this an amazing concept? Isn't this, you know, we're not talking about sustainability in the word, but actually we're talking about a lifestyle 
so then um, we 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 started a project and we um we said we want to do something that we want to find out what is stopping people from living a more sustainable life at home so we partnered with the university of surrey so their center of environment and sustainability and then we also partnered with hubbub and they're a charity dedicated to communicating sustainability issues we invited our ikea family customers who are our most loyal customers we asked them to apply for a pro program that was initially one uh, three years and uh, we would give them 500 pounds which is huge to be able to buy products within our range to help them live a sustainable life and they would get assessed through that so we would do questionnaires with the university of surrey but also we would invite them into the store and we do workshops and events and we would have conversations about how to and, and share knowledge about how to live more sustainably with okay. those products. Yeah, so this is how we started, and um, and it was it was mind boggling at the beginning, and it was a a real leap of faith. <laughs> Thousands of people applied, and through that we uh, reduced it down to two hundred and ten households. And we found that people they took the five hundred pound, and I think it was a bit like in a sweetie shop that everybody went crazy. <laughs> I can imagine. And the, the main things they were buying were LED bulbs, huge on that, because they could actually change all of their bulbs and get the instant results. Uh -huh. um, they were also buying food storage, massively really interested in food stores. I think they could really, it was something really tangible that they wanted to do. And then textiles, because we talked a lot about you know, cozying up your home and being able to turn your thermostat down for one degree. So there was lots of things that people could really understand quickly. And I think that was, uh, it was something that they could connect with really fast and see the results pretty uh, fast as well. Yeah, and no, absolutely. I suppose, you know, well, we all need food, we all need energy, don't we, um, in, in different ways. Um, I was going to say, I know at the beginning, um, you were talking about the wanting to help people live more sustainably and 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 wondering you know what the difficulties were what what kind of issues did people raise with you that, that they thought rightly or wrongly made that difficult the main barriers that people spoke about were time knowledge and cost everybody said i don't have time i actually don't even know where to start mm -hmm. and it seems it seems that being sustainable and buying sustainable products is really expensive and that's not, I mean, it seems very elitist. It's not for me. Absolutely. And, and the fact that it actually doesn't have to be. And what kind of um, feedback did you get from them as they went through? Did their attitudes change in, in, in that? Yeah, massively. Actually, the savings absolutely outweigh the, uh, the cost of it. And they were like, why, why didn't I do this earlier? Not even about sustainable living, but this is sensible shopping. This is sensible living. This is smart what they're doing. On average, a household saved £1,440. Yeah, and then other things that we learned was that 92% said that they learned new skills and that they saw a substantial reduction in their utility bills. Absolutely. And you can, you know, to be able to show people that evidence and, and from your customers as well in that way must be really influential. Um, you, you talked earlier about the IKEA's overall aim of influencing, um, it was a billion people um, but, but by 2030 to be more sustainable. Um, can you talk about, um, tell us how you've been sharing these stories um, now the project has expanded as much as it has? Storytelling is just such it's gold, you know, it's such a beautiful thing. People resonate with those stories. They understand, they see the pictures and say, well, I'm just like them. 
I could do that. And so it really influences people to make more change. Yeah, no, hearing something in someone someone's own words and their own experiences. I was going to say on that, are there any kind of particular stories that stand out to you or kind of common stories about what people have been doing and what a difference it's made? You know, we have really just very small stories about, you know, how a, a nurse who's on night shift, and it's really relevant now, if you think, a nurse on night shift, how she's um, unable to, to sleep well and um and it's the and, and the temperature in our room is is always wrong and talk to her about cozy homes and how you work with textiles to create a kind of more ambient mm-hmm. environment how to use blackout blinds so if you're sleeping through the day how to reduce your energy bills and being able to give that information and then see her going you know i'm sleeping really well i'm really calm right. i feel this sense of real well-being because of the project that's absolutely huge yeah well that's that's really inspiring good to hear um well thank you very much for joining us it was great chatting to you and it'd be lovely to have you back um in future to hear more about what's been going on um with with live legal and other projects love to thank you very much thank you from sofas to houses we've heard how scotland is moving towards zero waste by making our homes and the furniture inside them last i hope you've enjoyed this episode please share it so more people can do more differently to waste less and help end the climate crisis Thank you. Bye-bye.